Hello, everyone, and welcome to Staking Mondays. Staking Mondays is a weekly show to share specific knowledge from the staking industry leaders with our community. And of course, this is all powered by stakingrewards.com. At Staking Rewards, we are helping investors to navigate the landscape of yield generating digital assets and finding the best opportunities to earn interest on their crypto. My name is Ken Groffel, and I am extremely excited to welcome today's guest. He graduated from the University of Waterloo, worked as a quant trader, turned trillions of dollars worth of equities and futures, jumped right into crypto, helped to build out Mazari, and is now on a mission to support crypto projects with DeFi Alliance. And he thinks aging is a disease, and I am sure we will all find a way to live forever. Right? <laughs> welcome, Tra Wang. Thanks for having me, Ken. Yes, you're very welcome. And so just a little icebreaker to start you off here. So uh, which crypto projects sparked your interest outside of BTC and Ethereum first and why? Hmm. Outside of BTC and Ethereum, I wanted to say Maker um, back in 2018. Um, back then, there were quite a few uh, stablecoin projects uh, that were raising and launching. Um, I thought staple, uh, I thought Maker was the one that was going to succeed. The design makes sense. Um, you know, I think even today, people, a lot of projects are still making the some of the same mistakes that projects uh, made back in the day. Um, but you know, Maker really stood out when it comes to the design and the Lindy effect, which is very important. Um, you know, the longer you're pegged to the dollar, uh, the more uh, confidence the market has for your stablecoin. So, um, and also, you know, 2018 MakerDAO was kind of the, the poster child of DeFi. For some reason, starting in 2019, 2020, the people started hitting on Maker. I have no idea why, but I, I've been staying bullish on Maker this entire time. Yeah, sometimes we see uh, people's moods change with, with the price of assets. So maybe that had something to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's definitely an interesting period in history and interesting project to spark your interest. So let's talk about this concept of staking. What role does staking play on the mission to fascinate 1 billion users of, of crypto and DeFi. Are we talking about staking in layer ones or staking in you know the you know the, the app tokens rather the, the governance tokens? I'd say I'd say both. Um, you know, different degrees of involvement with staking a layer one certainly, uh, mm -hmm. especially if you're putting up some kind of a bond, right? But I think just mm -hmm. in general terms, uh, how, how does staking help accomplish this goal of fascinating? you know, 1 billion users of, of crypto and DeFi, we'll say. Yeah, um, I guess for layer ones, it's more intellectual uh, because staking is a necessary part of consensus. Um, well, is it necessary? Well, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a necessary part of consensus because, um, you know, the, the reward you, you, you earn as a staker uh, contribute directly to consensus of uh, the entire protocol. Uh, so from an intellectual level, it's stimulating for people. Um, for the app player, for governance tokens, um, I guess most tokens currently are designed in a way that when you stake, 
you can earn some yield, um, which is um, generally generated from uh, you know fees uh, that users use, uh, users pay the protocol uh, stakers for use for usage. So um, certainly the yield is um, something that uh, you know many traditional finance institutions or the average user is um, uh, very interested in given the current macro conditions where yields around the world in traditional like financial instruments are basically zero, right? In DeFi, in many of the top DeFi protocols, you can generate a dividend, uh, which is uh, perhaps even higher than those that you can earn in, in you know, the US stock markets. So uh, this narrative of productive assets where you can stake and earn some yield is something that attracts um, a lot of professional investors into the space. Right, and it's, it is most comparable to like a dividend from a traditional finance space, right? And mm -hmm. I always think back to Warren Buffett's quote of, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies don't produce anything. Well, layer one staking, you can actually produce additional native asset in most cases, right? So it is it is something that uh, can relate to the masses, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think in investors in 10 years will still invest in underlying crypto assets or will they just buy abstracted financial products like a staking derivative, for instance? Mm. I think there will be a combination, right? It depends on the on the uh, uh, on the need of the end user, right? Um, for instance, if you're a short-term trader, you're definitely going to buy uh, the online because you can easily get in and get out. Um, when you trade short-term, you don't really care about the yield. Um, if you're a sophisticated long-term investor, you could also buy the underlying and do the staking yourself. But perhaps for the average user, um, you know, the, especially the retail, um, you're probably going to buy uh, staking derivatives, right? That abstract, abstracts away the complexity, uh, especially the operational comp complexity of uh, staking and unstaking, all that stuff. Um, I think there will be a combination. Right. It's sort of it's up to what that user is desiring and their strategy or their technical competency, right? on what kind of product they would be attracted to. So very, very interesting thought there. Um, so working with DeFi Alliance, uh, you know, one of your goals is to also make DeFi more attractive to mainstream, right? Um, now, what is the biggest challenge that you see facing DeFi from becoming a mainstream participation? The two main challenges are, I would say, um, number one, tech, and number two, regulations. Um, one of these two is only a matter of time. The other one is extremely hard to solve. I would say the tech is only a matter of time before we can solve the problem, whereas regulations is going to be very challenging. Both are related ultimately to the user experience. So right now, one of the main challenges for DeFi is, for instance, um, you know, on Ethereum, for example, um, the fact that you know sometimes the fees can get really high, much higher than the average user can uh, can afford. Um, the block time, uh, also known as latency, um, can be too long and too frustrating for people. 
uh, the throughput uh, may be limited. All these are fundamentally technolo technological problems. And I think it's only a matter of time uh, before we solve them. Uh, regulations is a lot trickier um, because, you know, ultimately, you know, bad reg regulations won't necessarily kill DeFi. In fact, it, nothing is going to kill DeFi, but they can make some of the DeFi pro products very hard to use. Uh, they can impose a lot of friction. Um, it can, they can introduce a lot of friction into the user experience by introducing things like KYC, AML. I'm not saying those are bad, but relative to the current user experience where onboarding and offboarding, like withdrawing your, your money, is very much frictionless compared to centralizing changes, right? Um, so some of these frictions, if they're introduced to DeFi, they can make it very hard to use. And in fact, they can massively reduce the value proposition of DeFi products compared to um, you know, their, their CeFi counterparts. So regulations is going to be a tough challenge. And you know, as an as a industry, as a whole, um, you know, we just need to spend more time, more patience, uh, more effort, more money to educate um, the policymakers and uh, the regulators. Yeah, and that's a great point on regulations. I almost feel that in 2017, it was regulations that stifled the ICO craze that was happening. And now, uh, over the past few years, DeFi has been really expanding and a lot of uh, experimental projects have been launched. I wonder if you have any insights in regards to, have you been working with regulators yourself? Um, and, and talk about some of the educational materials that you're providing the regulators to help them gain the knowledge to properly issue regulations in the space. Not myself personally and directly, but there is a ton of people that we work with, um, uh, that the Defiance works with, that work, that um, you know interacts directly with the regulators uh, when it comes to, for instance, uh, uh, some of the recommendations recommendations by FATF, uh, which would ultimately um, uh, trickle down to uh, to FinCEN, uh, which ultimately impacts AML KYC and whether or not DeFi projects are considered uh, VASPs, uh, virtual virtual asset service providers. Um, so we also have a lot of people who work behind the scenes with uh, the SEC. Um, you know how. Uh, whether or not certain DeFi products needs to be treated as um, broker-dealers, which again has a ton of impact when it comes to uh, the licenses that need to get, uh, which ultimately also passes some of the frictions uh, onto the user. Uh, and also CFTC, which is another important uh, regulators uh, when it comes to derivatives. So derivatives is one of the biggest um, near-term um, I guess, uh, verticals of DeFi that might take off. So uh, basically perpetual swaps, futures, options, all these things can be regulated by the CFTC. So I personally don't have direct working experience with any of these regulators, but I know for a fact that there is a ton of people working behind the scenes. Right, and it's always best to be straightforward and make sure that everyone just has the proper knowledge to make the right decisions. So. Mm -hmm. We, we always talk about this 1 billion users, right? Um, is it possible to get 1 billion users into DeFi? But, I mean, there's only, what, 6, 7 billion people in the world? Not everyone's interested in finance. And could it be that DeFi will just become 
some sort of game that participate, you know, the whales will be the participants in this game, uh, kind of like we see in current Central Phi, C Phi. With every technology that you see in human history, virtually every technology started as a toy for whales, um, be it your smartphone, be it this computer from which uh, you're talking to me on, um, be it uh, Bitcoin, be it DeFi. Um, it's always going to start as a very expensive toy, a very expensive playground for whales. But over time, the cost of technology will reduce uh, with um, better scaling, um, better and cheaper underlying hardware and software, right? Um, to the point where, um, you know, these toys become affordable enough for the average person to use. And also, you know, specifically in DeFi, right now, obviously, most of the major products are built by uh, crypto natives, for crypto natives, right? Um, they're, by and large, highly speculative, um, unanchored to the real economy. But at some point, there will be more people building to, uh, onto, onto DeFi uh, protocols, uh, especially some of the, uh, you know, fintech companies, traditional financial services companies, that build uh, products that target you know, the average user. So um, I think we're definitely going to get there. Uh, I think we're going to get to way more than 1 billion users. But it's going to be a, um, at least a generation long kind of effort. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Wow. So uh, slow the roll a little. We have a lot more years ahead of us until we see that kind of main, mainstream adoption, 1 billion people. Yeah. So on to my. Next topic here, one of my favorite topics, yield farming. Um, so do you think yield farming is like a real innovation that's here to stay? Or is it just some sort of trend to help launch and distribute tokens now, say a bit more sophisticated than a traditional airdrop? You know, once crypto and DeFi become more mainstream, will yield farming just die out? Or is it here to stay? Um, it is a real innovation in a sense that um, if you distribute tokens to the early supporters, you basically make them owners of the protocol, right? So imagine um, in the early days, uh, Uber, right? In order to attract drivers uh, into their network, um, they issued shares of Uber. That would make you know those uh, early Uber supporters or drivers owners of the company. And they have an incentive to reel in other drivers, other participants of the network, right? Um, so I do think it's a real innovation if you design it well. The problem is most of the yield farming uh, you know, uh, efforts or programs that you see nowadays don't really achieve uh, this end goal of making your early supporters owners because um, by and large, there is no lockup. Most people, most people who yield farm actually just farm dump. Right, so they dump immediately for the quick, um, quick gain, rather than becoming a long-term kind of supporter and owner of the network. So um, there is still a lot of room for improvement when it comes to the design of these uh, uh, programs. But I think it's, it's going to be here to stay, except it's not the current. It's not in the current form. Yeah, it's almost like it needs to have a, a next step to it. What do they do once they have these tokens? Is there a greater purpose than just cycling them back in or selling them off? So there's definitely a story that needs to continue to be written there. Um, 
So investors for the first time ever can own real-time revenues, real-time dividends from financial infrastructure, get returns for staking DEX tokens like Sushi. Uh, do you think our whole economy stock market, you know, equities could switch to truly own transparent and real-time profit distribution via staking mechanisms like these? Um, I can see that happen, but again, it's gonna take at least a decade, maybe two or three. Um, I think when it comes to dividend uh, distribution, moving that stuff onto uh, DeFi is not a 10x improvement. Um, it might be a slight improvement, but it's not that compelling for um, you know the entire traditional finance uh, kind of tech stack to move entirely onto DeFi. Uh, it might be a result of something else, um, some other motivation, right? Uh, I don't know, uh, it, but I think it's it's really uh, you know uh, a couple of decades down the road. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's a good point to have. Is is we are still far off from traditional finance infrastructure adopting these sort of technologies, and you know, in your opinion, you know, what is the most sophisticated token design, you know, including staking incentives uh, that you've encountered so far in your experience, either funding it or uh, you know, maybe using it on your own. Any projects that are super innovative or underrated that you may know of? Uh, when it comes to token design, or token, uh, token design, yeah, staking incentives, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I hate to name like individual projects, um, but overall, my my feeling is. You know, there, there's a lot of interesting things happening in stable coins, mm. but I think most of the time people over-engineer the system. Like the, the system doesn't need to be that complicated in order to work. Like the, the, the mechanism behind Maker, for instance, is very simple and it works. And it's very similar how to how um, uh, traditional finance people design ETFs, mm. right? Exchange traded funds, where there is a, uh, you know, creation redemption mechanism. It's very simple and it works and it leverages the mechanism of arbitrage in order for the derivative to peg to the underlying. So uh, Makers is simple, um, is, you know, it, it's something that I really like. The, the point I'm trying to make is, a good token mechanism doesn't need to be that complicated. It doesn't need to be that quote unquote sophisticated. A simple design could work. Um, I would say in many areas uh, of crypto, even outside of crypto, um, complexity is a form of laziness. Um, simplicity is uh, highly undervalued. Very great words of advice for all of the aspiring uh, token designers out there that may be, you know, rattling around some ideas in their head. Really, is simplicity is what works, right? We've seen that in the past with Maker, and it mirrored, like you're saying, uh, you know, underlying basket in an ETF. When it drops below the price of an ETF, there's some arbitrage that takes place there among large brokers and uh, the market trading the ETF shares. So, really interesting stuff. I, I almost want to get your comment on transactional tax within the token itself. 
we've kind of seen this come to rise recently. Uh, you know, something where each time a token is transferred or deposited in a liquidity pool or withdrawn, there's a percent taken and split up and given back to the holders. So it's almost like you can participate in the staking without actually having to do anything. You just hold the token. Do you think this is a positive design or this is something that it, it makes the user experience poor? I mean, it depends on the, on the actual product. Like just mm -hmm. looking at this uh, mechanism itself without any background, without any context, mm -hmm. I, I don't have any positive or negative thing to, to say. It's, it's neutral to me. It's just the design. The, the, the question is, what do you want to achieve with it? Right, right. Is it just a kind of like um, something to just, it's like a game, right, for, for whales, right? It's just like a experimental technology, experimental tax or something, right? What are you really trying to achieve with it? Fair distribution? Well, you can only achieve that if everyone holds, right? If you keep transacting, you're going to get whittled down to nothing. So, yeah. Just to follow up here, so where can people go uh, to find more information on you and your projects and everything you're working on? Um, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter. Um, my handle is QWQIAO. Uh, you can also find us find about find more about the Define Alliance, uh, which is DefineAlliance.co. Uh, uh, if you're a, a founder or um, an investor or anyone else who is active in, in crypto and, and want to support DeFi startups, feel free to get in touch with us. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone watching, be sure to check out our previous episodes of Staking Mondays. We've had interviews with Tor Bear from Secret Network, Do Kwan from Terra Money, Zach Emanian from Cosmos, and many more high-profile guests. So thank you again so much for joining today. And everyone, make sure to smash that like button, subscribe to our channel. As always, happy staking. Thank you very much. Ciao. Thanks, Ken.